Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. Happy to have you with us once again. My producer, Lance Glenn, is back on board for the show, but we are not with Sean Fitz, as we mentioned last episode. He's in the Lions 24-7 golf beat for the next few days out at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin for the Ryder Cup, something he's been looking forward to for a while. Found this FCS matchup to get away up there. So we'll hear from him next week about what happens against Villanova. He did pass along his prediction. I'll pass along mine too here later in the show. We understand there may be some pixelation issues on video today, and we hope you've been following us on YouTube at Lions 24-7. For whatever reason, here on a Thursday morning in State College or whether it's on Lance's end in New Jersey, an issue uh, with video. We think audio is good, but just a heads up there. We get it if there's a problem on YouTube. Um, but we hope we sound okay wherever you find your podcast. Let's move on with the conversation because before we get to some Villanova things and what we'll be watching for against the Wildcats, and there is a lot to watch for in a game that's supposed to be determined really by the third quarter. There still is a lot we're looking for from a personnel perspective. But we got Josh Pate, and that's the perspective I want right now because you all heard from Josh Pate last week. He does a tremendous job with his show Late Kick. Uh, it, it's on YouTube, it's on Facebook, it's all over the 24-7 sports platform, rightly so. And we got him back here on the podcast. He's a busy man. He's on the move once again. Heck of a season so far for Josh. And Mr. Pate, we caught up with you post-game on the field in Beaver Stadium, and you still had you know your eyes lit up from what you experienced. Yeah, look at him. Look at him. I'm going to blink sometime. Sometime this Saturday's games, I'll blink. But wow, what an experience. Here's, here's what was fun whether it was you or Fitz or like some members of the coaching staff off the record, several band members, players, obviously a ton of fans, everyone wanted to know the same thing from the perspective of someone who's been all around the SEC. Hey, man, how did this compare? It compared. It compared and then some. And I had a lot of my brethren from the South where I grew up who were kind of all lowercase, by the way, Tyler, got to be lowercase. Can't give the proper respect with the uppercase. All lowercase. Hey, was that place really the way it made it seem on TV? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was off the charts insane. People who were there understand. People who were watching on TV understand. But I think if you get to travel, if you're blessed enough to travel to games a lot like I do, sometimes you forget that most people are isolated to their experience and, and their home stadium environment. And maybe they've traveled to some away games. Otherwise, they've watched it on TV. And you know, for that kind of environment, there's only so much TV can do. Like I, I view it as rungs on a ladder. And last weekend was like an 18 on a scale of one to 10. And so if TV max is out at 10, you have to be there in person to experience 
you know, the, the above and beyond factor. And man, it's so much delivered that I've been talking about it all week. I mean, I've, I'm looking at my phone as we speak and my dad and I are texting back and forth about it. And he grew up in Weedowie, Alabama. Suffice it to say, he's never been to State College, Pennsylvania. But um, I could go on and on like a tourism bureau at this point. I was blown away by the atmosphere. At what point did you start to realize it was going to live up to and maybe exceed the expectations? You were right there with the phone at the ready, pointed at that student section as it started. That that floodgate opened, and that was filled very quickly, a couple hours before kickoff. When did you start to get a sense something special was brewing? Well, I think you could you could safely say on then, but as far as being just on campus and inside the venue, I I like to get to venues very early. Number one, so I can watch the earlier games. But number two, I don't know if you feel this way, like you've seen it obviously, but when I used to go to games just as a fan, I used to always wonder, well, okay, they're opening the gates two hours before kickoff, or maybe one and a half hours before kickoff, but I know people are already in there. What's happening in there right now? I used to always wonder that. And so I'm still a fan at heart. So I always get to venues early. I just like that calm before the storm type feel, whether it's in a press box, whether it's on a field. Uh, I like watching assistant coaches when they've gotten to the venue and they have that little bit of time between arrival and you're actually going on the field for warm up. Some of them call their families, you know, some of them just walk around. They'll chat you up in some cases, but I'm there and I'm always there to experience that. So I'm standing down Penn State's tunnel. And again, this is my first game there. So I don't know the normal game day protocol. And like I was talking about on late kick the next night, all of a sudden there's just this like rumble from way down the concourse. I don't know what's happening. For all I know, they're, they're pushing barrels of soft drinks down the corridor and it gets louder and louder and louder. And then you start hearing voices. And I know all right, those aren't soft drinks. And here come the students because they just opened the gates to the student section. And this is happening like simultaneous to when you're expecting team arrival. So you've got a band going by, you got cheerleaders walking up a tunnel, and then you got this herd, this mass of white humanity coming at you. And it's like sensory overload. This is two hours before kickoff. And so I whipped out the phone as quick as I could and, and tried not to get run over, not in that order, by the way. And so I just tried to capture that uh, because like everything you're experiencing in my shoes, I'm experiencing for the first time. So I would say, when I saw folks clocking at about a four five forty, who had no business running that fast, heading to the stands, yeah, I would say something special was brewing. Just a little bit of excitement uh, as as the fans made their way in on Saturday. Um, if you were following Josh on Twitter at Late Kick Josh, you saw some of that early footage, and, and you should certainly be following that already. He's provided some feedback uh, on his Twitter page about this matchup, sharing videos, and and but we're happy to do that with you here because let's talk about the game that actually transpired. Amid all of that uh, pageantry, Auburn, Penn State, I know we talked about this after the game. Both teams, I thought, showed up ready to play. And it's refreshing. Uh, that's what you really hope for. Sort of the, the promoter inside you who has no effect on the game, that's what your energy is focused on. You're focused on family the same way. You want to see a great matchup. And so you can't really ask for anything more. The game, Tyler, the game was on the line with one second to go. And so throughout the duration – the get the balance it, it hung in the balance i guess is what i'm trying to say but i thought that both sides ended up participating in a game where yes you could take a ton of positives out of it i mean certainly penn state can they won the game but i was talking to some of the auburn folks afterwards they'd never say it publicly obviously but they have a young staff uh they have a in some cases a young team a very inexperienced team 
And they view their entire team as an experience because everything they installed is new. Even the veteran offensive guys, when you go from a Malzahn offense to a Brian Harson offense, it's like turning off the lights and then installing new light bulbs. And then you turn it back on and you hope they come on, but we've all seen it happen the opposite direction before. Internally, they were relieved that there was no meltdown, like all systems were go. It wasn't a perfectly played game, but it's very hard to do in that environment. But it was, I think, the best of outcomes because you had a big home win if you're neutral. You had a, you had a big home win. You had a raucous environment. You had a memory that'll last a lifetime. And remind me to bookmark the word memories. Come back to that for a second. I had something to say about that. But everyone walks away with something to build on. And you had an entertaining product. I saw some of the TV numbers come out. Even game day had a real big spike in viewership. So it was just, I, I viewed it as a really good brochure to hand out to sort of an agnostic sports fan to sell college football. Because everything you would need to sell college football that's what we got last Saturday. I'm glad game day got their bump, but I hope late kick got its bump as well from, from the trip up the Happy Valley, Josh. No, it did. It very much did. It was very it, – it's validating and refreshing to – you know, I was on your podcast last week, um, had some features done on the show in the markets up there. Penn Live did a feature on us. Uh, so, obviously, it was nice to have some coverage of the show before we came up there. But really what it's about is – it's about appreciation. And like I said before, I was a fan long before I ever did this. I didn't come out of journalism school straight into the profession and never experienced fanhood. I had over a decade of the normal lifestyle. So I get the appreciation when there is an authentic appreciation shown in our world towards a university, towards a program, towards a process that something that's trying to be built. And the connectivity that you should have, that we all should have with college football fans. That's what makes the thing run. I mean, really, if you think about it, if there aren't folks in the stands, there is no product. And so the game revolves around the players and the coaches, but it's built really for the fans. And so there was an appreciation. I can't tell you how many people just walked up, shook my hand and said, hey, I appreciate it. That's it. Like that, that's it. Just just thank you. And so we, we, I got that in the airport. I got it in gas stations. I got it there in the stadium, obviously, by the dozens and dozens and dozens. And that's validating to me because what I get to do is I get to come back here to 24-7 into CBS uh, to some of our executive types who have to live in a bunker. They can't be out on the road every weekend. And when I get to give that feedback to them, what it does is it validates and reinforces the idea that we should do more of this kind of stuff which I think serves everyone. It serves me because I love to do it, but it serves our, our different team sites, our fan bases, because, I mean, man, like, if that's not what it's about, then what are we even here for? You spent a lot of time last week and really a lot of time in the last several months talking about Bo Nix and talking about Sean Clifford and how important they both are for their respective programs. You got your long look at Sean Clifford. I think it's fair to say you saw the best of Sean Clifford we've seen through 23 college starts for the 23-year-old. What's your takeaway with QB1 for Nittany Lions? I'm really glad we're able to say that uh, because I think the the fear and the concern, at the very least, for a Penn State fan going into this one was we have been in big games before. We have led up to big games before. And how many times at this point in his career have the words, well, Sean Clifford has to show up, come out of our mouths? And there have been times where, to be honest, it hasn't happened and he hasn't delivered. And maybe it's not all on him, but 
we have not gotten the result that we want. So I've got a thing on late kick that I call a padlock stat. And that's just, if I showed it to you on Friday, that alone would probably tell you how the game's going to go. And Tyler, we didn't talk Friday, but we talked last week. If we were to have known last week that 28 of 32 was going to be his stat line, like if you told me he only had four incompletions, I honestly would have thought that means he's going to go six for 10 and get knocked out of the game. I never in my wildest dreams would have envisioned 28 of 32 against a really good secondary, a really opportunistic secondary, but they did not get pressure on him. I think it was the the third down play on the first series where he stood back there and had time to write a letter to his mom if he wanted to. And that it wasn't quite to that of the night, but he had time to operate. Someone, you know, kind of tell me afterwards. It was the biggest surprise of the night overall, how relatively clean he stayed in the pocket because it's a total, a total dichotomy based on what Penn State faced in week one, where Wisconsin did get some pressure. And so, therefore, there wasn't any kind of continuity. You weren't able to put all the drives together. But, yes, it's nice to say. Now, here's the next part that none of us can know. This kind of game can either just be something that lives in isolation, and it was a nice win, but it seems totally detached from what ends up being the rest of the season. Bad news. Or good news is it's a springboard. And you don't find out against Villanova probably, but we all know you got Indiana coming up, you got Iowa coming up, got a trip to the shoe. Like there are a bunch of prove it games left on Penn State's schedule. And what you hope is this kind of game, when you look back on when Penn State gets wherever it is they're going eventually, and you say, we are here because of what started in that Auburn game. That's all you can hope for. Three, you know, right now up to number six in the AP poll. I know we recognize the, the JP poll around here, but uh, the, the ratings still look good in that poll for Penn State. I believe I saw they're up to number four. Um, you explain, explained the JP poll to our listeners last week. Uh, needless to say, Penn State's in the thick of it for the conversation right now. They've moved beyond Ohio State. They've moved beyond Notre Dame, beyond Clemson in national rankings. And we're still, I don't know, about 310 days removed from this program being 0-5. Josh, with all that said, um, do you feel like the Nittany Lions are ahead of schedule in their rebound from the mess that that kind of showed up on the field last November and last October? I'll tell you, I think most people would answer yes to this. I'm kind of a no, only because I don't view 2020. I view it as a legitimate year if you were good. If you were bad, I'm willing to look at 2020 like an early morning fog and it just burns off. Like outside in Nashville right now, it's totally sunny. Two and a half hours ago, it was foggy outside. The sun burns that stuff off very quickly. And so 2021 for Penn State is just the sunshine. That's all it is. And a lot of that fog, you know, it wasn't an actual storm. Like it was actually what it appeared to be. It just needed to get burned off by normalcy. And normalcy has come along and it's burned it off. And the way I choose to look at it is I choose to, in an alternate universe, pretend that 2020 didn't have COVID and everything was normal, maybe we saw a linear year-over-year progression that would have coincided with what Penn State had already been doing. Now, I think the million-dollar question would be, well, okay, is Mike Yersich here if 2020 doesn't happen, or is Kershaw Rock still here? Like, yeah, that, that's a valid question. And so, Tyler, that's why I choose to live in the alternate universe over there instead of trying to marry the two. It just gets messy when you marry the two. Um, but I... They're where I expected them to be. I'll just put it that way. Penn State right now is where I expected them to be at this point in the season. 
And, and James Franklin is really embracing your idea of putting 2020 uh, in a box and burying it in the backyard because that is exactly the approach. And he gets asked on a weekly basis, as you can imagine, can you please compare this to what happened in 2020? He's not really having it with that question anymore. He wants to focus on the body of work over the previous seven seasons rather than, than last year. And at 3-0, you can certainly take that stance a lot easier than if you're struggling right now. Uh, I, I am curious what you think about Jahan Dotson now that you have the on-field look at him. You were very high on him when we had you in the summer. You felt like nationally, not enough discussion about Jahan. Scored a touchdown for the fifth consecutive game against Auburn. Threw a pass. Uh, leading receiver in that matchup. What did you think about his performance? And do you, do you think he could fit on any field in America? Yes. Yeah. I'm sure Alabama would love to have him right now. There's a, there's been a shift that's happened really over the past. I don't know. Um, it's been, it's been the last few years where if I say prototypical first round receiver, you used to think Julio Jones, you used to think AJ green, you used to think big body can run, but can out wrestle you on 50, 50 balls. That was the prototype. Not even Alabama puts those kinds of receivers on the field anymore. If you look at if you look at Devonte Smith and and Jalen Waddle and Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, they're all the same size. They are all within one inch and about fifteen pounds, twenty pounds of each other. And so when you look at Jahan Dotson, he's the kind of guy that a more old school type of eyeball would look at and say, "Well, he does play well in college, but boy, isn't he a little bit undersized?" Dude, no one says that anymore. No one. It's not the way the game's played anymore. The game is played based on separation and space. That is the name of the game at the receiver position today. And if you want to go the, the Clemson circa 2018 route, where you just try and moss people, like that's your offensive philosophy, go for it. There are better and more foolproof ways to go about scoring and, and succeeding and doing big things at the receiver position. And because of that, he needed the other night so badly. He needed to go up against a team with an SEC sticker on their helmet and a team that is known for defensive prowess, and it needed to be a very hard-nosed environment and him still make some plays, and he did, and I think he showed several facets of his game. And again, I don't think the – after Devontae Smith, I don't think the size issue is going to be some, some chain around your ankle that you have to shed with overwhelming performance after overwhelming performance – I think the benefit of the doubt is given now, regardless of what the scale says and the height chart says, if you're performing consistently. That's why the other night was so big for him. Because I don't think there are going to be a lot of scouts at the Nova game. I think there were several either in person or with their eyes on the Auburn game. And he validated a lot of what locally you guys know about him. But nationally, I think it's really been undercovered to this point. Yeah, I can tell you, I shared an elevator on my way up to the press box with at least four or five guys wearing NFL logos on their polo shirts. So certainly a lot of eyes in the building, beyond the building on Jahan Dotson in that matchup. But I feel like I buried the lead because this was the second time against a top 25 opponent with a veteran quarterback where the Nindy Lions defense sealed the deal with their back against their own end zone. I feel like this defense is really the story that's coming together in addition to what Sean Clifford has done in his development, because there's a lot of really impressive athletes and there's a lot of trust in place among those 11 right now. I don't think people realize how well this is coming together for Penn state. I'm telling you nationally, the perception of Penn state right now is okay. That was a great environment you guys had. And that was a really good win you had, but let's be real. 
even if Penn State right now has their name way high up there, maybe even above some perennial title contenders, we don't view them on quite that level, which is fine because those other programs have earned it based off years of reputation. But we need to understand how to view 2021 context, and you got to have context here. There is no superstar quarterback. And the entire landscape of college football right now, there's not a Trevor Lawrence out there. There's not a Tua out there. There's not a Mac Jones out there, at least not right now. And what that means is there's not a Goliath out there right now. There's not a program that you look at if you're a Penn State fan and you say, well, even at our best, you know, we're a little match for them. Maybe Penn State wouldn't beat Alabama. Maybe they wouldn't beat Ohio State for all I know. It's a lot more realistic to expect a competitive matchup if everything were to go right this year than it would be in previous years. So think about the formula coming together. If you maintain even marginal improvement at the quarterback position, which stands to reason with a first-year coordinator, new new coordinator there, you've got playmakers, plural, emerging at the wide receiver position, spearheaded by an alpha type in Jahan Dotson. We do not doubt what Penn State can do on the ground. And then we go over to the other side of the ball. They hit, I mean, they've hit grand slams in the transfer portal. Defensive line is where you can start with that. But also every level of the defense, you look at it and you can say, I can buy that. Like I can, I can endorse that as a team that could play good enough to put themselves in position to accomplish whatever they want. And I remember back in spring, I remember when you talked worst case scenario about Penn State and we were looking at the linebacker position. There were some people who were painting a very, very grim picture there. And I'm not saying that the position group's necessarily littered with all Americans, but I think that we have safely been able to set aside the worst case scenario fears so far for this defense. No, completely agree with that. And and, and that's an area where you're getting a better play. And and like you said, in all three phases, there's, there's, there's something you can point to that you really like, and there's just not a lot of of holes right now defensively for Penn State. I think there's still some concerns on the offensive line. They got to get the ground going with more consistency, some more playmakers in the pass game. But to your point, a foundation is set, and there's a lot of teams that are playing catch up at the quarterback position right now. And 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 let me dive into the Big Ten with you because our colleague Brandon Marcello did a national look this week on contenders versus pretenders through three weeks. A tough task right now in, in September. Who is a contender in your mind right now in the Big Ten? I think you, you're on board with Penn State, but who else is there? Well, Ohio State's there. Iowa's there, obviously. Uh, Wisconsin's there. Penn State's there. Michigan State, surprisingly, appears to be there. Um, I'm almost having trouble definitively leaving teams out, only because like, if we're talking about contender, we're talking about someone with a shot. And right now, Tyler, there are several teams that we could put on the field with Ohio State if the game happened this week where you and I would look and say, would I favor them? No. Do they have a shot? Absolutely they do. Because we've seen a a multi-game sample size now, Ohio State, where they have screamed to you, we're vulnerable. And the hallmark of good teams is they improve throughout the year. So maybe this is not the same things we're talking about in December, but right now is right now. And so, I mean, Maryland's undefeated right now. Like, if they beat Kent State this weekend, that is undefeated Maryland against, I guess, undefeated Iowa next Friday night in Maryland. Like, that's a standalone game. I don't think many people were painting that as part of the highlight package of Week 5 college football 2021. So it's a really good good start. You're hitting the quarter pole. It's a really good start 
I think a lot of people don't view it as good because they think, well, if Ohio State's not good, then then the Big Ten can't be good. No, no. If Ohio State's not good, Ohio State's not good. That, that's what it ends. There are several other brand names up here. Here's how good it is right now. I didn't even mention Michigan, and they look as good as they have in several years. So, yeah, it's it's encouraging right now. I mean, I would write off Minnesota. I mean, just as soon as you think, well, one loss and they're done, well, they go thrash Colorado 30 to nothing on the road. You're not supposed to be able to win on the road, by the way. I don't know if anyone's ever told anyone. It's just forbidden. You can't be going on the road and winning in college football. So that's interesting. It's very interesting to watch right now. Well, Penn State has the opening win on the road at Wisconsin. They're ranked 18th right now. Auburn's still ranked 23rd coming off of that loss. And here's what they have ahead of them. I won't read you the whole schedule, but here are the ones that stand out in terms of hurdles for Penn State to get where they want to be. At number five, Iowa on October 9th. At number 10, Ohio State on, on October 30th. Home against Michigan, who's number 19 right now on November 13th. And then Michigan State. That's a trip to East Lansing. Thanksgiving weekend. They're number 20 right now. Penn State's going to get to be in consideration that first week of December or get their way to Indianapolis. Man, they're going to have to earn it, Josh. They sure are. Uh, is that the toughest schedule in the Big Ten remaining? I mean, it, it, I don't have everybody's schedule, but I have a hard time imagining like something like this where you've got two trips in a span of, of uh, three weeks to a top 10 program within your conference. And then uh, you got those Michigan squads who are on the up and up compared to where they've been lately, both to handle in November. Yeah, I have a hard time. I'll say this. I have a hard time viewing the eventual Big Ten champion not being a part of that final four. And so I know that history has has ingrained in our minds. You have to look at that playoff picture through the lens of when or you're out. And I just don't I, I think we may have a two loss team in that field this year, much less a one losses are certain at this point. You could have a two loss team in there. And so I I don't believe in talking about the playoff in September anyway, but I know it's always in the back of a fan base's mind. When we start getting into territory you hadn't been in in a little while. I would just take solace if you're a Penn State fan or if you're an Ohio State fan or anyone else in the fact that this year is very atypical relative to the last few. Just take care of your business enough. You don't have to walk the tightrope on the 100th floor and one slip and you're done. That's not the way it's going to be this year. Uh, this is the kind of college football season that we used to have more often than not. And I don't know how long it's going to last, but I think appreciation is in order right now. It gives a lot of hope to a lot of fan bases. And you've been calling it renaissance season and you're on the road again this week. Tell our listeners where you're heading and remind them where they can find all your content on a weekly basis. Yeah, we're going to Dallas this weekend. Wish it was a different venue, but I love the matchup. It's Arkansas versus Texas A&M. Uh, that is one where a couple of weeks ago I went to Iowa versus Iowa State. And that was the same day Oregon played Ohio State, but it's the same day that Texas played Arkansas. And I try and go to what I think is going to be the best environment. Now, we hit a grand slam last week with Penn State. But in retrospect, that afternoon, when you were looking at the environment at Arkansas, I mean, that was that was insane. It was like the World's Fair in Fayetteville. They had waited so long. They just they knocked the pinata down and then they just beat on it and beat on it and beat on it. But the crowd never died. It was a blowout, but the crowd never died. And um, man, I can't I was doing some radio in Little Rock the other day. I cannot put into words enough how jacked those folks are. Not just because they, they're winning, they're doing it with one of their own. It's the same energy LSU had in 2019 before things started to go a little sideways with Orgeron. 
they were winning with one of their own. And so they're very excited there. And so Arkansas, you know, they got a shot now, their second shot already against a big time program from Texas. And if they go, if they go two for Texas, along with a rice win, so technically Texas so far, um, it'd be a really, really big deal. And so we're, we're going to be there just like we were with Penn State last weekend. Looking forward to it. But we're doing Late Kick Live on Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday nights. It's on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, branding. And a color color scheme, by the way. Beautiful. I went through, I went through my rainbow of 24-7 shirts for you guys. Um, but we do that. And I'll tell you, the thing I had the most fun with last week, Tyler, was taking, taking the old iJosh and getting as much as I could. And I put some of it on Twitter, at Late Kick Josh. But if you want to see the most entertaining thing that I could possibly do for you on a game day, follow me on Instagram at Late Kick Josh. It's all the same. And look at that Instagram story. I probably had 30 to 40 updates just from the field last Saturday of showing you everything I could, you know, with the rights and whatnot. You can't be putting that stuff just out there mainstream, but we can hide it on the Instagram story and the man doesn't come after us. So at late kick Josh on the, on the socials and the late kick, wherever you get your pods, wherever you go on YouTube, that's where you can find it. And if you have not had enough of me by then, then you're probably my mom. That's, that's the only, that's the only reasonable explanation. But by the way, we did see the late kick sign at game day in the background on TV. I don't know if we get credit for that because it was something that we, we put out there on the podcast, but I'm just glad it happened. However it happened and shout out to whoever made that happen. I hope it's a line 24 seven podcast listener. But uh, you got to keep the streak going this week, uh, uh, somehow, some way. Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. Uh, and if it wasn't a Lions 24-7 subscriber, we're just going to pretend like it was anyway. Absolutely. Hey, Josh, we love having you on. We'll do it again with Fitz back on board down the road. Enjoy your trip down to Texas and excited to see your coverage as the season continues. I appreciate it, Tyler. Thanks, guys. All right. Josh Pate, uh, what a tremendous job he does and, and a fun time seeing him face-to-face. -face. Uh, I know we had uh, Sean and I a nice time after we got done with some player interviews and James Franklin's uh, post-game presser to speak with Josh. And, you know, he was just kind of looking around at this Beaver Stadium with the lights uh, on and um, really cool to, to see him soak it up because, as you know, an appreciation for a lot that goes on in college football. So if he's calling this an 18 out of 10 experience, that carries a lot of weight in my book. Um, we are going to dive into just a few notes here on the Villanova matchup. We covered that pretty extensively last episode. Thanks again to Terry Tui of the Delaware County Daily Times for helping us break down the Wildcats. We mentioned this is the number 11 team in FCS. They've got a national championship in the last decade at that level. A, a more than a dozen playoff appearances. They're going to be in that conversation this year. They're 3-0 right now. Um, but this is the FBS level, and Penn State's ranked sixth. They have a lot of momentum going on, as we have discussed here on the podcast repeatedly in the last few weeks, and our predictions reflect that. I have Penn State winning 52-10. to 10. Sean Fitz, I think he sent me this one from the tarmac, has Penn State winning 45-7, to 7. so both anticipating a matchup that the Nittany Lions have under control in the second half, and you can start to focus in on being 4-0 and start to focus in on playing Indiana and getting started with those eight consecutive Big Ten matchups. But before you shift that focus, if the score gets out of hand and, and it's the third quarter, maybe hold off before you turn off the TV and go do the leaves. Here, I'm giving you an excuse not to go rake those leaves. Stick around for the second half and watch what Penn State does from a personnel standpoint. We have an opportunity here to really evaluate some depth. The Penn State staff is going to be taking a long, long look, I think, at some of the tape in that second half to see – 
who is up to the experience and who maybe needs to be tucked away to the practice field and the scout team uh, for the rest of this season. It's, it's really important to develop at that age a some tangible evidence on the field. And you'll see some guys get some opportunities. I think the conversation starts with Taquan Roberson. Clearly has not had a, a lot of live action through three years on campus. Uh, we saw him play a bit at Ball State. First completion at the college level, pretty good. A touchdown pass to Theo Johnson. Want to see a lot more from Roberson. I want to see a lot of series from Roberson. I think he got in for, for, for just one possession last time around because of how the game played out against Ball State. But Roberson right now, I think, you know, four, five, six possessions get him some opportunities to take some hits, to throw the ball. I know the score might be out of hand. People kind of get rubbed the wrong way when you're throwing the ball and you're up by a bunch, but it's important for developmental purposes to do that in a game like this. So I think regardless of the score, you want to see Roberson surveying downfield, connecting with his receivers. Who will those receivers be by that point? I think that's another question to ask. We've seen a lot of the starters at receiver, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Parker Washington, Jahan Dotson, a little bit of Cam Sullivan Brown, a little bit of Winston Eubanks, a little bit of Marquise Wilson. We're going to see a lot more of other faces. The other three I mentioned, those non-starters, look for them. Maybe we get a longer look at Marquise Wilson playing some wide receiver, a chance to make some plays against FCS defenders. He's the kind of guy who could take one the distance uh, if he can make a man miss. Additionally, uh, at running back right now, uh, what are we going to see? I, you know, Noah King, you don't think we see much of him. Kevon Lee, you know, there's a lot to prove right now. There, he's got to get some momentum rolling ahead of the Big Ten schedule. Not a pretty performance for him in the last uh, two, these top 25 matchups. And, you know, quite frankly, it's because the ball hit the ground last week. We didn't get to see any of him after the first quarter touching the ball. So you want to see that ball security in a good spot. And I think you just want to see Kevon Lee get into a bit of a groove on the ground moving toward a Big Ten play because you will need him. And he has flashed considerable talent just as recently as a couple of weeks ago against Ball State. Quite frankly, he flashed a bit on the field last Saturday. Um, additionally, I, I think at running back, does Devin Ford factor in a bit more? Does he get uh, some some carries and some touches? He's been relegated to kick returner with John Lovett coming back, and and that leads you to wonder: Can John Lovett be uh, get a bulk of carries here? Can he get ten to twelve touches or more after getting three of them last week against Auburn? You want to start to get his feet underneath him here as a as a member of your football program. Um, and then do we see some Keziah Holmes? He, he was a, a developmental player of the week this past week. Um, a guy who came on for them late last year was productive in some points because of the uh, the lack of depth. But right now, depth is not an issue. And Keziah Holmes trending towards staying behind the scenes here in 2021. Him, Tank Smith, circle Tank Smith's name right now for this for this preview, because Tank Smith is exactly the kind of guy that you could see coming in for a goal line situation late, breaking a few tackles. And getting the crowd going crazy, even though it's, the game's out of hand, it's emptied out of it in Beaver Stadium. Keep an eye on walk-on running back Tank Smith here. Uh, it would be great to see that happen, quite frankectly. Tyler Rudolph at safety, someone I want to see get a lot of playing time uh, in this matchup and, and start to really show what he can do and, and be in a viable two-deep option in that safety room. Smith Vilbert is, is another third-year guy at defensive end. What can he bring to the field with some more extended snaps? It's been very top-heavy at the defensive end rotation with Nick Tarbert and Jesse Lucetta and Arnold Evacati handling so many of those snaps. Very tight. That's going to change in this matchup. So watching Smith Filbert, watching a guy like Zariah Fisher as well. Um, and then how about in, in inside? It's been a bunch of P.J. Mustafer, a bunch of Derek Tangelo, a bunch of Devon Ellis. How about more from a guy like Fatorma Mulba? 
Keziah Izzard. Um, you know, those are other names that we'll be watching here. Uh, Kaylin King, Kobe King, Jamari Budden, Jalen Reed, some of the freshmen uh, who you may see in action here. I think that oh, it's probably fair to say we expect to see those guys in action. Landon Tangwall on the offensive front, someone to keep an eye on as well. Um, and then at wide receiver, Harrison Wallace, Liam Clifford. It feels like this is a game where they could step up, uh, get a chance to, to, to run out in the field and, um, you know, maybe catch some passes and, and start to get their so get themselves maybe a launch pad. Uh, for conference play because the door is wide open right now beyond that starting group at wide receiver. Could see a guy go out there, gain some confidence, and, and light a spark that carries over to the practice field next week. And one other note I will say here, I think Penn State's in a really good position to make some plays on special teams. There's a disparity in scholarship number allotment from the FCS to the FBS level. There's already a, a tremendous disparity in athleticism when you look at the rosters top to bottom. And I think that could translate into some opportunities in the return game for, uh, for Penn State, really getting after kicks as well. Pump block, field goal block. But I I'm looking at maybe a chance for a guy to get loose in the return game. The question is, how many chances do you have to return the football if you're Penn State in this matchup? Again, 52 to 10 on my end. Sean's got 45 to 7 on uh, Penn State as well. So we will be back with a post-game show on Saturday, breaking it down. It could be a lot earlier than the 3 a.m. show we recorded last weekend, which is going to be really nice. Uh, when we come out of Beaver Stadium after we talk to players and hear from James Franklin, we'll, we'll let you know what we thought about that matchup against Villanova. And then turning the attention next week into Big Ten Conference play, that's all it's going to be moving forward for the next couple of months, beginning with Indiana back in Beaver Stadium next Saturday night. But we'll focus on this one, and we'll get to it on Saturday. Follow our coverage at lines247.com along the way. I'm Tyler Donahue. Big thanks to Josh Pate for joining us for a second consecutive week. To our producer, Lance Glenn, be sure to subscribe on YouTube at Lions247 and drop your five-star mailbag question on Apple Podcasts. We'll talk to you real soon right here on the Lions247 Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.